welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, into episode number 22 of the Get Around Podcast. I am here in the studio with 7-4's Harrison Beebe. We are without Jimmy James Cook and Barry Arturo Summers. That is, of course, be a sports writer on Twitter. Brett Summers is his actual name. Both of them are out. Brett is in... Apparently they don't like the podcast anymore. That's what I'm piecing together. That's a possibility. This is the second week in a row that Jimmy I, James Cook is... I love Cook it, though. I, I camp out in this room all week for these seats. We know that you are one of our faithful listeners, and we, we really appreciate it. You are now past the five-timers club and have joined the six-timers. Six six-pack. So you are, a, you are a sixer here on the Get Around podcast. But thank you, everybody, for listening. Before we get started on episode 22, I just want to say that this episode of the Get Around podcast is brought to you by Parker Tiffany. Parker Tiffany, when you need someone to dance with your dog, call Parker Tiffany at 231-555-PARK. That's 231-555-7275. Parker Tiffany, he'll make you and your dog uncomfortable. And we we have video evidence of that. We do indeed have video evidence of that. Uh, Just wanted to say that episode 22, we got a great one going on. Uh, We will get to uh, an interview with the MHSAA official Mitch Wilson. A lot of good stuff there talking about parents and fans and how they can uh, be a little unruly, sometimes belligerent. We'll also talk about the shortage of officials throughout the country and especially here in the state of Michigan. We will also get to the Get Around Hall of Fame where it's possible we might have have our first two-time inductee, but we'll look at that a little bit later. And then our trifecta in honor of Valentine's Day, we will go over our favorite sports movie romances. But before we get into all of that, let's check the heartbeat of the sports world as we get into the pulse. We had a lot of good action last week, so we'll take a look at that. But we've got a lot of great action coming up this week as well. So we will get into that and take a deep dive with that. But let's go back to last week. The biggest event, I would say, or possibly the two biggest events, but one of the one of the more bigger ones was the Frankfurt win over number one Class C team McBain that at that point had a 59-game win streak and that was snapped at Frankfurt, a 53-48 win for the Panthers. Yeah, both of us were there, and uh, that was that was an interesting back-and-forth game. Frankfurt had the lead in their gym in the first half, looking pretty good against the, the top-ranked team in Class C, and the, the third quarter was all McBain. Uh, the Ramblers kind of showed you why they, they've been undefeated in the regular season for so long, and even with a lot of different guys out, I know uh, they had a great uh, point guard a year ago, Logan Ealing, and from two years ago, it got him to a Final Four run. He's gone, but uh, this Seager Wiltzer guy it, it seems to be like the exact same player running the point for that team, and they still have have uh, guys producing big numbers. So they looked like they were on pace. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they went on a pretty impressive run. Well, over the third and fourth quarter, they went on a 19-0 run. The the Panthers led 37 to 27 at that point. And then the 19-0 run put uh, put McBain up 46 to 37. And I talked to uh, Dan Loney, the assistant coach. I talked to Matt Loney, uh, one of the seniors on the team, and Jalen Rogers. And all three of them were completely unaware that the Ramblers went on a 19-0 run. And they all I didn't were realize like, it was that big. And they were all kind of like, whoa. Like, I can't believe that happened to us, and yet we were able to pull it out because they did so by going on a 16-2 run to end that game. 
uh, just just an incredible comeback. And, and a majority of that was Matt Loney. He was phenomenal in that fourth quarter. Uh, I, I did highlights from the game. All of my Frankfurt highlights were Matt Loney in the fourth quarter because he was hitting jumpers. He was finding his way to the basket. Uh, he had some great assists from his teammates as well. I mean, their whole team is, is a talented bunch, but uh, he definitely sparked that fire that allowed them to come back and pull that win, uh, you know, dare I say, their biggest win of the season so far. I know they got a win over Buckley as well. But uh, great momentum going into the final stretch of the Northwest Conference and, uh, you know, postseason play. Loney was just incredible. I mean, he was he just went, no, we're not losing this game. And I'm going to do everything that I need to, to do to make sure that he scored 11 out of their 16 points uh, in that run and, and really just... Uh, you know, to use a baseball, please do uh, cliche. Knock that one out of the park and and showed why Frankfurt is having such a special season. I wrote a column last week about how it just feels like they have that air of destiny around them this year. I I felt it last year with Buckley, and more than likely, if it happens, you're going to have Frankfurt and Buckley meeting today, tomorrow. Uh, this, of course, is being uh, recorded Valentine's on Monday. Day. But, uh, yeah, they are, they're going to, to, to get together on a, uh, on a lovely Valentine's Day matchup. Wouldn't it be great if they met at half court and shared some flowers and chocolates? Like, yeah, I, don't, I, I doubt they like each other that much, especially Just after. A and then they go throw in the trash when they get back to the match. Yeah, they probably don't like each other very much, especially some of the things that were said by Loney Rogers and head coach Reggie Manville after Frankfurt beat Buckley the, the first time around. So I know that Buckley's certainly got a little bill, uh, bulletin board material to to come back and win this game but it's probably likely that even after this game they will meet again in the regional that one will have a little more on the line but still i mean right now it'll be at a neutral site too it'll be at a neutral site but you will have the the northwest conference will be on the line come wednesday well and we got to this big game this valentine's day virtue of the big game from last friday so neither of us were at that game, but we heard all about Buckley and Glen Lake. Um, I sent my weather guy there, actually, to get the highlights because I was getting a quadruple header up in the Kalkaska Mancelona area, and uh, he texts me, he says, standing room only. I am waiting in line to get into this place, and I'm supposed to be working it. So that's how intense that game was. You never have to wait in line. He's new to the experience, so I told him, just just go up there yeah, with the camera. They know if you've got a jacket on, yeah, you're you're good. Uh, but that's how big of a game that was. Glen Lake's gymnasium isn't exactly, you know, a 20,000 seat venue, but in my opinion, that makes it an even more exciting place to watch a basketball game because that noise is just got to be muzzled into that that room. Yeah, it's so and much it bounces fun. off, and it's and with those two teams playing with those stakes, uh, I'm I'm upset I missed it due to numbers and uh, people shooting on Fridays. I kind of have to do certain things to, to make sure we get the most games for our Friday show. But uh, that was obviously going to be our lead game, and it it lived up to the hype for for a lot of it. But in the end, it was Buckley kind of uh, like Frankfurt in that game against McBain, kind of. Setting back early, but then putting together the run they needed to to close it out in the end. Yeah, they were down 11, 32 to 21, and then finished the game on a 47 to, I think, 17 run uh, to to win that game, or or maybe it was even, maybe it was even more than that. I I just know that it was what they took control. They yeah, took and, the end of the game. and and just like Frankfurt got that spark from Loney, 
Buckley got that spark from Joey Weber, who finished the game with 25 points. And I've seen him play so many times, and he is he's your physical brand of player who isn't worried about going to the rack. And Brett actually covered that game, and he got a message from Joey Weber after the game. And Weber said, tell Queeley that I hit my free throws tonight. And Brett said that to me, and I, of course, needed to kind of clapped back at Weber and hit him on Twitter and basically said, I, I had criticized Weber and some of the Buckley players for not being able to hit yeah, their free you, throws. You, you apologized to Denver Cade at the, at the Frankfurt game, correct? Yeah, apologized to Denver Cade. <laughs> I apologized via a column that I wrote last week as well and how oftentimes my sense of humor doesn't come across in the way that I intend for it to. But, yeah, it was, you know, I like I said, I said uh I tweeted back at Weber and said, you're welcome, as I took credit for uh, any of their improved free throw shooting because that's the that's the kind of guy that hey, I am. Whatever it takes to make them. All right, so let's go ahead and preview that game that we have coming up on Valentine's Day. We saw Frankfurt get a 69-53 win in the first meeting, and that was at Buckley. So Buck- Buckley is going to the Panthers' house and is going to have to overcome the, that crowd. I If we talked about standing room only, at, at the at the Buckley <laughs> I think there's uh, Glen Lake game there are less <laughs> seats at Frankfurt and there are more than likely and going I will to be, be there not our weather guy <laughs> yeah and I am going to probably get there around 5:30 so I have parking that's at least close to the high school well, I could park at A and W in Frankfurt there as long as it's open that's that's my pregame meal plan but they've been kind of you know, that's not not throwing shade at A and W we it's not about the A and W here in the podcast anyways great place to eat when you're in Frankfurt but yeah that will be a tough place this to episode get a of the spot. Get Around Podcast brought to you by you want a root they beer have flow? root beer. <laughs> At A and W, there's only like two in Manistee and Frankfurt that we know of. What do we expect? What should we expect in that game? You you look at the the talent on both on both sides. I think that Buckley has more talent than Frankfurt does, just because you've got two All State players in Austin Harris and Denver Cade. You've got someone that can take over a game like Joey Weber and provide something else that they need. You had Brock Beeman the other night hit some big threes, and really he was also a spark in that. And then you have Ridge Beeman, a kid that can jump out of the gym and gives you probably one of the best defenders here in northern Michigan. Yeah, and they have the experience of playing in these big-time games a little more than Frankfurt does with the, the finals run a year ago. Uh, and I'm curious to see how they play in this one versus the last one because I, I guarantee, I know you interviewed Austin uh, in the podcast right right after mm-hmm. that uh, when, when they lost to Frankfurt, after the two days later when they beat Glen Lake. So yeah, those we... two big opponents within 48 hours, and that couldn't have been easy to come down from a big win like that in Tuesday against Glen Lake and then take on Frankfurt two nights later when they were, I'm not going to say fresh, but you know emotionally not as locked in earlier in the week like Buckley was. So I'm curious to see how that affects the Bears' uh, stamina going into this one with at least you know the five-day stretch they've had since the Glen Lake game now. Uh, but Frankfurt riding just as high, knocking off McBain. Buckley couldn't do that. Buckley lost at home to McBain earlier By this year. By a point. I'm just saying, the wins and losses, if you're going by that, yes. they, that's how those players look at it. They're happy when they get a win. They're pissed off when they get a loss. Yeah, so. Buckley could have hit those their free throws in that game against McBain. They probably would have won. <laughs> Score being what it is. So Frankfurt was able to do that. Buckley wasn't. I, I, not saying that affects any way of how Buckley plays this game, but Frankfurt's gotten those signature wins that that they've needed to to show they belong in this spot in this marquee game and yeah you said it yourself you've you've got a column written that you think they're the team of destiny this year well wednesday is a great opportunity to prove it so uh 
have fun, kids, and uh, give us a good show. Yeah, and uh, if you look at the Frankfurt roster, Jalen Rodgers, Matt Loney, Griffin Kelly is your Joey Weber, I would say, that he's the guy that plays that physical brand. But there are times when mentally he can kind of fall back a little bit. We've seen him when he's gotten shots blocked that he'll stop going to the rack and he'll settle for uh, a mid-range jumper and he won't always uh, he won't always uh, you know hit those but again he's a really good defender has really quick and strong hands and, and knows what he's doing out there you have Matt Stefanski in the in the Stefanski I learned at signing day it's, it's Stefanski Stefanski all right he doesn't take any offense that we've been butchering it this whole time no I have um, so Sierra Pauline that's why I had been calling her Sierra Palin for the the my tenure here at the Record Eagle, and now I found out that it's Matt the A is Stefanski. 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 Yep. Sorry. Well, we have you've got Stefanski in the middle there, and then Kirk Myers playing the point guard position and and running the floor, but always trying to get the ball to Jalen Rogers because he's your kid uh, that he's can. He's a really he's, great scorer. <laughs> I, I think my one can, of my favorite is just any play. Jalen just kind of comes up the floor, knows the team needs a bucket, and he doesn't care if a guy's on or not. He's like, okay, three. Yeah, hits it, and that's it. There's no difference in his. That's like what he planned to do. He knew that was as routine as putting peanut butter on a sandwich for him, or something like that. I really enjoy that analogy. That was great. <laughs> his routine is yep, putting peanut butter jelly on a sandwich. Rebound. Have you used that on your seven and four sportscast yet? No, but All I've right, you used every that. other cheesy line in the book, so I might as well go with that one here. All right, well, I I really loved that one. That was fantastic. <laughs> Brought to <laughs> you right, by so, Parker Tiffany. So, <laughs> quick prediction. What do you? think who's coming out on top of course you're gonna make me pick buckford <laughs> i'll pick if you pick yeah i will pick yeah. i well I, I'll, I'll go first if you want no i think uh, as much as i believe that frankfurt is a team of destiny this year i think buckley wins that game uh, on wednesday make- but I'm, I'm agreeing with you uh I'm, if anybody who's seen me make picks for the central west football games and stuff in the past i usually side with uh kind of the experience level and who I think from not just this season but seasons past has the pedigree to, to get the win and even on the road I'm going to go Buckley as well but uh, hey who cares prove us both wrong Buckley prove us both right whatever you want to do let's let's have another instant classic that we're excited to talk about yeah I week. just I just know that it's going to be a good game or at least I think it was I think and that's it what sports will be. are about but okay so you had you were talked about Jalen Rogers as a, a kid that will you know take the ball up the floor if his team needs a bucket, we'll put it up, uh, and more often than not, he he connects. Player very similar to that is also a guest that we've had on here, and that is Margot Woofter. She did that several times in their victory against in Central's victory against Petoskey uh, last week. And she, I think she finished with 33 points, but there were so many times when she came up the floor and knocked down the big shots that they need. Central got down to Petoskey, but they needed that win to keep themselves in the in the running for the Big North Conference title, and they did exactly that. They got a great performance from Wolfter, but they also got a, a huge double-double from Maddie Goodwin. She went with, uh, I think she had 11 points and 12 rebounds, or 12 points and 11 rebounds, one of those, but really came up huge, and that was what Central needs. Every time they play, they need one other player to step up other than Woofter. Yeah, and those uh, two wins over Petoskey were very crucial because and before those... the only two losses for Petoskey in the or conference. That's a, yeah, exactly, because now Petoskey, who was undefeated in the Big North, 
uh, is now at six and two. As I look at the standings in front of me, this is as of Monday. TC Central at five and two, so one less game, but they're tied in the loss column, which means at this point they both control their. They won't play anymore, so they both control their own destinies as far as tying or winning an outright league title. So those wins over Central were, or I mean, over Petoskey for Central were very crucial because nobody could beat Petoskey before then in, in conference, and that's what the Trojans have proven they can do. And uh, they are defending league champions, correct? And they won a year ago. So. Yeah, and so we've got two big games, or they have two big games coming up. The Central plays uh, Cadillac on Valentine's Day, and then you have the Traverse City crosstown rivalry when Central Friday meets night. Traverse City West on Friday night. Central's got to be looking at those. They can't have a letdown in either one of those games. They have to be Cadillac, and they certainly can't have a letdown against uh, a West team that is a little bit down this year. But I, the few West games I've caught uh, the past couple of weeks, they're, they're looking competitive. They've had uh, teams like Ludington, teams like, uh, they play Manistee? No, Central played Manistee. I, I've seen the Titans play in a few games here. I think Gaylord or Petoskey themselves in the conference, and, and they're looking competitive. You know, It may not show it on the standings, but West is, is playing hard to get wins in these games. And uh, Doug Bauman is the right coach mm-hmm. for this team. He is absolutely the right coach. They, they found the guy who is not so much concerned with wins and losses as he is growing his players and and, yeah and And that's going to reflect itself and you don't change that in two three months of your first season that happens over the first two or three seasons but you can already see how that progress is going into effect with what these girls are doing every time that i talk to him he's very positive he focuses on what they've improved and getting that message across to the girls is only going to build their confidence and getting a win over your rival on uh, Friday night uh, in Traverse City with the crowds red hot uh, that can only add to that confidence boosting. Speaking of a team winning the Big North Conference, we saw the West hockey team pick up the BNC with a one nothing win over Alpena. That was on Saturday. Elliot Sidkins had himself a, a whale of a game, shutting out Alpena uh, in a, in that one nothing win. I think he made 18 saves and really came up big when Alpina decided pulled their goalie with a minute 17 left and you know for the extra attacker and was still able to to stop that but you also look at West team defense and and they certainly did a really good job only allowing the Wildcats to get 18 shots off when usually you see in high school hockey games usually 25 to 30 especially with that game being so critical because they were the top two teams in the standings and it was going to be a virtual conference championship game uh, to play that way and to post a shutout. Yeah, the Titans, they were on their home home ice, but that definitely was the job they had to do and, and they achieved that job you know, to perfection, in a sense, a shutout against a very tough Alpena team. And that was the Titans' first outright Big North Conference championship 2012 and 2012. And Central has won it for about five years in a row now. So Either, I yeah. mean, Outright, yeah, there were a lot of ties mm-hmm. that we saw. And uh, Jeremy uh, Rintela, he's been the coach there. For, he's now in his 11th year, mm-hmm. and I know that they won it five years in a row at one point. The last time that they won it outright, they're sitting at 8-2-1 and one right now. Uh, actually, they finished up their conference uh, schedule, so they, they're at 8-2-1 and one in that. But the last time that they won it outright was 2012 when they went to the Final Four. So you'd hope that's kind of a good omen for the Titans. Yeah, but you, you can ask any hockey coach up here. They'll tell you uh, the playoffs are a second season, and they, you know, almost a way have nothing to do with the first. I mean, any coach will tell you that in any any sport. But uh, I know the hockey guys have kind of told me that in general because you, you never know. There's only two weeks in a hockey playoff, and a lot of things can happen in those two weeks. You stress hot goalies in the NHL playoffs. 
Well, when you only got six games to a championship in uh, in the hockey tournament, you play three in a week. You got a pre a regional, regional, and a regional final, and you got your quarterfinal, semifinal, final. It, it's an interesting form of hockey, and you, you know it's a desperation form too, because winner go home is in full effect. But yes, very excited to see what the Titans uh, accomplished now building off this conference in the playoffs. Uh, a little more action coming up this week uh, on the girls' basketball side. You have Charlevoix versus Kalkaska and Benzie versus Glen Lake. That's a big game in the Lake Michigan Conference. Oh, we're back to versus... basketball. Well, yeah, because we're looking <laughs> at a week ahead. I just said we're back to girls' basketball real quick. And then in the Northwest Conference, Benzie Central versus Glen Lake. What was which... the first one you said? Charlevoix versus Kalkaska. Nice. You've got Charlevoix and Traverse City St. Francis. They are tied Raiders for the lead right now in, yep. the, in the Lake Michigan mm-hmm. Conference. So... Uh, and and Kalkaska, uh, I, I talked to head coach Dave Dalton. They only have seven players on the team, which I couldn't believe. And the seventh one uh, hasn't played basketball or hadn't played basketball at all. So really they only have six players, and most of them uh, are, are kept on uh, on the floor. Most of the, the starting five it's, it's kept a on lot the floor of minutes, the entire time. To log, yeah. And, and really... that's tough for... For that Kalkaska team that is sitting at five and three uh, in the conference, you, I, I thought that they would be a, bit, a little bit better, but they're in a tough position when you don't have a, a roster that can, uh, where you can rest your players. Uh, it, it's a tough place to be, but you know, even if you are kind of out of the conference race at this point, beating a Charlevoix team certainly gives you a lot, since they are one of the leaders. Certainly gives you a lot of momentum going forward, and it's worth noting that they are hosting what is looking like will be the most exciting girls district bracket in all of northern Michigan. They'll have Kingsley, they'll have uh, Cadillac, Manistee, Reed City, Ludington, uh, teams from all over. So they don't have to travel. All their, ga- all their games are going to be in their building, uh, at least as far as they go. Um, so that's certainly something that they can look forward to even if, you know, they don't have the uh, large number of girls to go through in the rotation. They know it, 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 they control their own destiny, and they control it in their own gymnasium, which has got to be a good feeling. And that gymnasium is pretty large and can hold a lot of fans. Last year at the Kalkaska versus Cadillac championship game for the regional, it was it was insane. Like I couldn't even find a spot along the baseline almost to to be able to watch that game. Uh, it was it was crazy, and I know that. Uh, with the uh, the amount of people that are going to be there, maybe it'll be a little more difficult to hear some of the fans getting on the referees. But uh, I guess that is almost a a perfect segue, and I maybe forced it a little bit. But not uh, too bad. But uh, why don't we get ahead to the interview with MHSAA official Mitch Wilson right now? All right, it's my pleasure now to welcome in MHSAA official Mitch Wilson. Uh, thank you for coming on, Mitch. Really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. How long have you been an official umpire, referee? How long have you been doing this? Officially um, for 10 years with, with the state of Michigan. I probably started when I was about 12, 13, though, so that put me at 13, 13, 14 years. I, you know, I started when I was really young. So, so a seasoned vet is what you're saying. Right. Even at the age of 25, 26? <laughs> 26, 26, yes. 26. So yes. what what got you into it? Why did you want to, to be the one that parents and others yelled at I wasn't uh, you know you, at some point you come to the realization where you're not going to be able to play forever and that was pretty early for me you know I was fortunate I got to play college baseball 
But early on, I was not a very good basketball player. I was not a very good football player. So I still wanted to be part of the game, and I got into uh, officiating, and I liked it more than playing it, even when I, when I was that young. So. so when you were 12, 13 years old, what were you officiating? I was doing, like, 10-year-old little league flag football, elementary basketball. Yeah, I did. I umpired one Little League girls softball game, and I was just, I, I needed to fill in for someone because they were, they had a shortage, which we'll actually get to later about how there's a shortage of officials all across the country and here in the state of Michigan. But I watched a girl, you know, hit one far out in the out- outfield. It got close to the left field foul line. And I just remember standing there and watching it, and then it hits, and everybody looks at me to whether I call it fair or foul, and I completely blanked and had no idea. I was just like, oh, all right. And then I was like, seriously, one of the coaches was like, fair or foul? And I was like, oh, uh, fair, I guess. (laughs) Did you ever have that experience early on where you you didn't really know what you were doing? Oh, definitely, definitely. You are, uh, you know, because you just... At that young of an age, you're just out there, you know, going off of what you see on TV and trying to, uh, you know, do your best as, as far as, like, mechanics and getting pitches right if we're talking about baseball or softball. Or, but, yeah, that's happened numerous times where you're, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that happen in a play and everybody looks to you at the end of it and you're, you know, you got that deer in headlights look. That's, that's definitely happened. Yeah, yeah, that, that was fun for me. <laughs> I've never refed a game, though, so... Ever? You I look like the kind never. of guy that would look really good in stripes. Yeah. Uh, or at thanks. least wearing a big pad in front of you like an umpire. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I remember growing up and having guys on my, my uh, American Legion games in Traverse City here, and yeah, they were probably 13, 14, right around Mitch's age that he's talking about, and that would kind of blow my mind that, you know, we were putting, not that our games were the Little League World Series or anything, but that those individuals at that age were put in charge of our games. I remember one time a guy, not even 15, 16 years old, threw out a coach for swearing and it was like oh this is real that guy's got some authority and uh, it doesn't matter how young he is he's in charge of this baseball diamond today and uh you know that's that's what you got to do in that position so people like mitch you know you got to respect what they do as far as especially for as long as he's done it ballpark number how many people have you thrown out (laughs) for talking if we're talking all sports probably about 30 around 30 30 yeah most of those are in you know at higher levels like last season in the uh, in the minor leagues, I had about 12 ejections. So most of those are at the higher levels. Um, yeah, I haven't. Do you have a memorable one? The one that always sticks in your mind? Like, oh, I'm gonna. That's the that's the story. Don't that bring I'll up always... the game I know of. <laughs> yeah, if if you've seen, yeah, I don't know. Like back before replay in the major leagues, those tirades that managers would go on. They go out and kick dirt on the umpire. They cover up the plate. They're throwing. You Can know. we reference that minor league guy who threw the uh, threw the, the base, bag yeah. as a grenade? Yes. I mean, Bob Wickstrom yeah. or something, I think. I don't know, but name. I hope he got help. That's that was the one exception. All those other tirades are pretty silly, but that guy that guy owned it. He did. He did. And, you know, it was one of those. It was in uh, it was independent ball before I worked in the minor leagues. And this, uh, I believe we were in uh, Joplin, Missouri. Um, and this, this manager of this team, he just... I don't know, woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and his team might have been playing poorly at the time, which some managers do. They, they get ejected on purpose to get their team fired up. And he just went off on me. I was working the plate that day, and he comes out, kicks dirt on me, covers up the plate, calls me every name in the book. Um, I mean, he made a big show for the, you know, 50 people in the stands without me there in <laughs> Joplin, Missouri that day. But he, uh, that would probably be the one that I would say the most memorable 
How do you handle that as a person? How do you not take it personally and let it eat you up inside? Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to have the mindset that every day is a new day and every game is a new day because I knew the next day I would be working third base, which obviously doesn't have its glory and it's not as nearly as difficult as working the plate. But I was going to see him at the play meeting. I was going to have to shake his hands, and we were going to have to act like nothing happened the day before. And that's kind of the mindset you have to take You know, in, in any aspect of officiating. You are going to have there are very heated moments, and that just comes with you know officiating a competitive game. And people's are going to people are going to let their emotions get the best of them, and you have to try to settle them down to begin with. And sometimes you get emotional too, and sometimes you say things that uh, you are going to regret. Regret, but you know the next day is a new day, and it's a new game. Yeah, I would have so much trouble if if someone was coming at me like that and swearing at me. I would it'd be very difficult for me for me to hold back and I would imagine that at certain times it was difficult for you as well what is the worst thing that was either said to you or you heard said to an official probably because you um, said you've been told to fuck off yeah I, I've been told I mean that I, wasn't surprising to be though especially as a minor league umpire I'm surprised he hasn't heard that more than once right. <laughs> yeah I mean usually at that level too you don't you don't really you ignore fans completely but this guy um one day and it was in a game in Boise Idaho and he was just he was just driving me nuts and you know I, I just look over at him and the guy's flipping me off and yeah he probably had too many too many beers that day and I I told him just you need to settle down or I'm gonna get somebody to get over here and he flips me off again tells me off and uh, you know I, I'm, I'm in between pitches at this point and something I didn't want to do and I probably regret doing it um, looking back on it but I stopped the game and, you know we probably waited six seven minutes for somebody to get over there and kick him out get, get him out of there because you know that's what happens I let my emotions get the best of me that day that's something that you know a fan especially at that level now if this is different if this is a high school game you know you we don't this is an educational environment we don't want parents or fans or coaches you know calling officials whatever they want uh, you know it, it, it varies on the level as far as how you're going to handle a situation like that I would say but I think it's, it's commendable to you is I've always said this at every sporting event I've ever played in covered yeah fans have the right to boo I mean they aren't going to like every call you guys don't like every call you make when you look back on it later I've had uh, soccer officials pull me aside like let me let me see that replay again just to see if that guy was offsides or not you know that they, you're not necessarily 100% satisfied with your calls and fans can boo but when fans take it as a, a personal slight against them and act as if what you're doing is at all in any way intentional to the regards of the game and I know they've been crooked referees in the past with the NBA guy with those right? stories, yep. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, you guys are working hard to do your absolute best to make these calls, and that's what we love about these sports is we're human judges. We're going off our own instincts and eyeballs as, applo- as opposed to wanting to go into this uh, computer technology, instant replay-driven world, which people like, but at the same time, we haven't done it with the balls and strikes in baseball yet, so we clearly still want that human judgment call as to if it was in that strike zone or not. So for people to just jump all over your guys' throats as opposed to just giving you the benefit of out, since you're an actually trained official to do that and they're a person who watches a lot of basketball games because they're supporting their friends or family, which I give them that right to share their displeasure, but to a certain extent. There's a line, and I think a lot of people do cross on a nightly basis, which is unfortunate. Right, and I mean, I think 
And I don't know what people think that they can go into a you know a high school game, pay your five bucks, and say whatever you want. I get that you have interest and you have bias in this game. I mean, there are a lot of very good athletes in this area. We're talking high school sports, and there are a lot of very good teams. Don't get me wrong; we are a far cry away from the NBA and the NFL and Major League Baseball. I mean, these are these are high school athletes. This is an environment, educational environment, and these are not professional officials either. I mean, Harrison, you said it yourself; these you know guys make mistakes. Guys and girls make guys mistakes. Guys at professional levels make yeah, mistakes. Absolutely. You see it on a nightly basis. Look at you know college level, professional level. I mean, they're magnifying and they're showing that replay seven times and saying, all right, he got it wrong. Well, how many times do they show a bang-bang play and say he got it right and actually commend him for doing that? I was actually going to... The vast majority of the time, these professional umpires or referees are getting it right. And how many times are people on radio or people on TV commending them for the right call? Exactly. Yeah, no one's applauding when you when there's a when there's <laughs> a right call. When you do it. Or you know you've got the other side applauding when maybe a wrong call goes well, their I way. I thought what was right. interesting with Mitch last week when I talked to him uh, is he on told the Jimmy me John Sports Corner that was seven and four. Jimmy John Sports Corner, yes, every Thursday six and eleven. Mitch was the guest last week <laughs> along with Mark Stewart, yes. uh, big time official up in the area. He's got yes. a lot of big games. And one thing I thought was interesting, I asked him when you guys watch your sporting, I was like, Mitch is a huge. Green Bay Packers fan, uh, when you watch, not even necessarily your teams, but just sporting events in general at the pro, at the college level, are you watching the games or are you watching the officials? And they both said they spend a majority of that time. Packers, I think, uh, subject for Mitch, because that's kind of like a bloodline for him that he can't uh, cross over into the officiating world. But he spends those games watching the officials and learning from them. And I'm kind of curious, you know, when you see those calls made and controversial calls, I mean, what was your reaction when Jim Joyce took away Armando Galarraga's perfect game with the Tigers? I mean, that in the state of Michigan, Michigan was like the biggest incident ever. I went on Wikipedia shortly after that happened, and somebody changes to say Jim Joyce was dead right after that call. And those ones are, are very rare where, you know, in the game was, you know, at hand at that point. But, yeah, it's, it's a difference between a perfect game and a no-hitter, which is huge. And, you know, there's only been 20, 27 or so perfect yeah. games. There's been quite a few more no-hitters. I just felt bad for him because I – I don't know Jim personally, but I know that in previous years he has been voted numerous times as the best umpire. You know, at that time now Jim is, is not calling games in the big leagues anymore, but he had been voted the best umpire in the big leagues for multiple years before then. So you feel so bad for him. He just there was his timing might have been quick on the play. I mean, we can talk about the specifics of why he got it wrong, um, but you just feel bad for him because you know that all these guys are trying to do it or get it right, especially in a situation like that where. You know, he should have. You are public enemy number one in the entire state of Michigan. And everybody watches that telecast knowing, as everybody calls their friends and say, hey, Armando Galarraga's got a perfect game in the works. So the ratings for that game alone were through the roof. And to have that situation happen in that moment. Right. But like you guys said, you saw a great moment the next day when Galarraga came. Because I think he was the third base official like that day or first base. He worked one of the bases. No, he worked the plate because he was at first that day. So he came to the plate. Um, Jim was at the plate that day. And Galarraga came as the acting manager the and handed, yep. handed the lineup cards. And they took a picture. And Galarraga could not have been cooler in that situation. Absolutely. Obviously, you know, athletes, we, we give you the benefit of doubt when you're upset at a call. I know it's never a fun situation to be in to, to get a call you didn't think was right. But could Armando Galarraga could not have been any cooler in that situation. I always forget that smirk on his face like, oh, you got it wrong. But, oh, well, man, you're, you're just a normal guy. Let's go get some Miller High Lifes. Right. Well, I think, you know, athletes, whenever you talk to them, they are – 
and whether this is true or not and or they're they know they're just saying the right thing or have to say the right thing is they're always more concerned about the the team's achievements more than they are about personal achievements but damn a perfect game right. sure would have been nice <laughs> one of Less than 30, yeah. yeah. Mitch, you have you travel across the country calling minor league games. Uh, what What is that like, being part of that? And are you riding the bus, or or, or how does that how does that kind of work? No, well, I just just recently um, got done doing that. Um, uh, moving on to other um, other avenues, I guess you could say right now. But yeah, three years. I worked. Um, no, it's as far as the, the bus goes. It's we had in, our individual car, so we don't travel with teams. I know some fans think that you know. Probably you, a good you, idea. Exactly. You know. <laughs> so yeah, after you make a bad call, you get on the bus and they just beat right. You. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly how it goes. No, um, <laughs> we uh, you know we travel as a crew. You know, we 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 are assigned a series um, in a particular city. You work that three or four game series, and then uh, then you go on to the next one. Yeah, you are going to see teams. You know, sometimes. You know, you'll have a team at home, and then you'll travel to the spot that they're traveling on the road. So you'll have two or three, you know, series in a row with that team, and that's when when tensions can get high because you're seeing the same guys, same same players, uh, same managers for you know nine, ten games sometimes in a row. So uh, that tries to be um, avoided as much as possible um, by the people who who schedule the games and the uh, umpire signers who who write out the schedule, but. Um, it can happen. I'm going to need an honest answer here, and I'm telling very, very honest. You've refed or you've officiated high school basketball games, right? Yes. You know people who have. Do they get in the way on purpose when I'm trying to take a photograph? <laughs> Do they put their backs? Are, I'm telling you, they move with me. If they're in front of me, I move either to the right or the left, and they move with me. Honestly, they, they do it on purpose, right? You know... It, it could be possible or it could be that they're so skilled and you're so skilled that you're trying to get the best shot and they're trying to get All right, the, yeah, that's, that's fine. They're yeah. trying to get the best angle on whether, you know, there's a foul that's occurring or, or whatever um, in that particular play. So It's also an issue with smaller baselines at some of the smaller schools compared to, you know, the bigger schools that have a lot of room. But, you know, speaking of, of that and the fans that get very amped up and belligerent at points, we're now seeing a shortage in referees across the country and officials across the country. Is that the biggest reason why that's happening? Why we've seen that kind of, I guess, I'm not sure if you can call it an epidemic at this point, but we're, we're certainly seeing a large drop in that. I would say it's probably a combination of two different things. And one of them is something that a lot of people are obviously going to be happy about and we have no control over. And it's if the economy is doing well, um, and I'm no economist by any stretch, but if the economy is doing well, you, send, you tend to see a decline in the amount of officials that sign up. Don't that's just part-time jobs. Right. Yeah. And that's just you know, based on people don't need that extra cash. Not as many people do anyway. But I would say the number one reason why there's a shortage is these sportsmanship problems that we are talking about. Because you take you know, an 18-year-old kid or even if it's a 40-year-old man or woman and they are getting into officiating, obviously we're not going to put them at a high school level game. We're going to put them at a elementary, middle school game. And sometimes that's when the parents are the worst. And I don't know if, you know, these, I don't know if people have these protective instincts where they think that their kid at that age can do nothing wrong and that, you know, they are the greatest athlete in the world. These parents, these fans at lower levels especially are just brutal and they they don't think about what they're saying to these new officials who are just trying to get the basics down of officiating and there's a lot that goes into officiating 
um, and they're just making their experience a nightmare, and they don't end up coming back. I have a confession to make, and this is not going to make me look good, but I once got kicked out of a fifth-grade girls' basketball game. Well, actually, it was a boys' and girls' co-ed game. And the reason why this happened is because my little sister got shoved to the ground, and the referee didn't call, or the official didn't call foul, or I guess all three of them that were there didn't even see it. And at that point, I I was very protective of my little sister, as I still am very protective of her now. Of course. And when that happened, I lost my mind, and I my temper was not under control at that time, so we're looking back at, well, my little sister's 27 now, so going back to fifth grade, she was, what, 10 or 11, so that's 16 years, so... I would have been 15, 16 at the time, and I was just, I lost my mind, and the referee kicked me out and sent me out, uh, I mean, out of the building completely. I was escorted out of the building. Before I knew it, my older brother had joined me, and then my older sister had also joined me because they had been kicked out of the game as well. Once I was kicked out, they decided that they were going to jump on the ref. Well, and I think we can all agree the criticism, at least at an aggressive level, is never truly going to go away. That's always going to be unruly fans, whether there's alcohol involved at games around at the pro level or even at high school games. Right. Obviously, there's no alcohol involved there, but. Um, Unless they pregame, it's possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the criticism is never going to go away. And there's always going to be some people that are, are going to be really irked by those calls. I think the idea we're trying to get across today is, hey, this is more harmful than you think. Just your couple random words in the moment you may think is just in the moment and it's about the game and you're all good. But for some of these people and for these referees who we can't seem to fill jobs for, this has longstanding effects. A little thing you do on a Friday night in a gymnasium could be slowly pushing towards what we're having now, which could be a place where we don't have games in two years. Where does it? Uh, where's there room for improving this? How do we fix this problem? I don't know if you have any ideas of that. I know you're you're only 26, but you're a veteran in in terms of uh, officiating. What's the solution here, or what's part of the solution? Yeah, I would say you know try to go to a game a little more open-minded. You know, don't have your your school color goggles on and watching the game through that you know those lenses. You know, or just you know even even more so. Watch a, a random college basketball game. You know, we got March Madness coming up. Watch a game that you have no rooting interest in. And try to sit down and objectively try to decide what call you would have made and if your call agrees with that, that official of that call. You know, because they're replaying everything. And, and, yeah, they're breaking it down. And, you know, the, the HD cameras they have now are crazy. But watch an entire game with no rooting interest and see how many times you, you agree with a uh, – the call of the official or not, and then try to take that mindset into a game that you know one of the a local a local high school, middle school, elementary game that you go to, and uh, not not so much have your your biases with you, which is hard. Biases are, are human nature. You have rooting interest naturally. Do you ever get biased when you're at a game if there's a certain if the fans are getting on you or one of the coaches getting on you? Are you like, well, now you're not getting any calls? <laughs> I mean, I would I wouldn't say I would go that far, but yeah, you uh, your your tone, your mentality does change. Um, you know, some things are going to bug you more than often. I would say, I don't let you know it's little things. I don't try let bug me anymore. But if you it's, if it's a direct insult, the personal insult, you start the sentence with you. Sh- you know you did this or you you know should do this or you didn't do that 
that's where we as officials kind of have to address it. Um, some things can be ignored, some things can't. What about the topic of return calls? People always say, oh, that's one to pay us back for the last play. Non-existent, complete, complete uh, imagination and uh, hopeful joy on the part of that team that gets the call back? Yes. I'm not saying you're lying, but it just <laughs> seems that there are makeup calls that has to. If they miss a call, they're well, like. We're asking right. Mitch. Mitch never gives them, but maybe somebody else does. <laughs> I mean, I just we just try to go out there and officiate the game to the best of our ability. We don't have any rooting interests. We don't care who wins the game. We're just trying to get the call right. And does your style of officiating change? Say it's a big game where a where where two ranked teams are are playing. It, let's say in this example that it's basketball. Do you let a boys basket? Do you let a game like that become a little more physical? Are you? more apt to kind of swallow your whistle? I think you got each game is different. you got to let the, the pace. You always want to have pace in, in a game, um, and, and you, you want to establish some kind of fluidity. It, it depends on how physical the teams bring it at the beginning of, of the game because you try to set a tone at the beginning in the first couple of minutes of the game and, and call it the same at the first few minutes of the first quarter um, that you do the last few minutes of the fourth quarter. And, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say – that there isn't a tendency to swallow your whistle at the you know last second play, last second shot, because I think you do see that to some degree. You want to let the kids um, decide the game Turn at the end yeah. of it, which um, I, you know I completely understand. But it's just trying to be as consistent as you can throughout the game. Well, and you guys have pregame meetings with the captains and the coaches and whatnot. So what kind of what's what's really discussed, especially in a big game scenario? What's discussed to them going into it as far as hey, let's get this out in the open ahead of time before we tip the ball? Yeah, it's I mean it's what we you know what we continue to try to hammer sportsmanship, be leaders of your team, your captains for a reason. Um, the team is going to follow. Um, your lead that we tell the coaches the same thing you know be leaders of your team you know your tone and your mentality and how you behave dictates how your team will behave and your your fans um, you see a lot of time you have an irate coach the fan base is is the same way so um, you know that's kind of a couple things we tell them because I mean these you know in a big game these you know these junior seniors they've heard the spiel numerous times we try to hammer that sportsmanship idea obviously and, and they they're well aware of that but there isn't much else to be said in that that kind of meeting, I would say. So, Mitch, as we wrap up the interview with you here, how is uh, how is it possible for someone that's interested in becoming official? How would they go about doing that? There's uh, two ways in Northern Michigan. Uh, the first is to join the MHSA, MHSA.com, uh, Michigan High School Athletic Association. Go to the website, um, click on officials. There's there's it's pretty uh, good how to um, way to sign up, and then. Then the next thing you want to do is join a local association. So our local association um, around here is Northern Sports Officials Association. Um, the website for that is nsoa.org. That will that website will put you in contact with our signers, um, the board of uh, our association, and uh, people to contact um, to start working games. And then they will will, will set you up with a experienced veteran official to to start working games. All right, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming in and uh, taking some time to talk to us. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Another thank you to Mitch Wilson for joining us on the podcast this week. Uh, A lot of good stuff there. Harrison, you even said that uh, a lot that you didn't know before. 
Yeah, uh, I talked to him for about 10, 15 minutes a week ago when he appeared on, on our show. And and I know Mitch. Mitch is a personal friend of mine. Uh, we've had a connection. To, he, his roommate's with one of my coworkers for a while. So I've gotten to kind of pick his brain of this whole situation. And uh, it's not just Mitch. It's it's every referee who's pulling me aside when they get a chance. They're like, hey, we, we, we need people. We need help. So if you are at all interested, yes, there are some downsides. And we're trying to point those out to try and help with the problem of the fact that officiating is getting such a bad rap when in reality we want these games to be played. They mentioned, uh, he didn't mention it today, but in last week's interview, they mentioned football might be the biggest uh, shortage number to worry about because there's so many guys they have for football games. And it's cold sometimes. It's cold sometimes. They're moving games to Saturdays, and some people maybe don't like to play on Saturdays, but when you have a limited number of officials, you can't have every one at every game on a Friday night, which is kind of the hope that everybody plays on Friday nights. But these are having effects on certain sports, and if the problem doesn't uh, decrease as far as the numbers coming out to officiate these games, it's only going to get worse, and we, we could have some some big problems down the road to, to avoid any of those issues at all. They even said, hey, when you played your games growing up, you had officials. Do your part. Give back. Be a part of the officials game now so that your younger brothers and sisters, uh, so anybody, your friends, family that still want to play these games, these important games especially, that they have officials there to uh, continue that legacy. Well, let's get into the Get Around Hall of Fame, but before we do that, just another reminder that episode 22 of the Get Around podcast is brought to you by Parker Tiffany. Parker Tiffany, when you need someone to spill 16 ounces of Fruit Bunch flavored Gatorade in your car, call Parker Tiffany at 231-555-PARK. That's 231-555-7275. Parker Tiffany, he'll spill Gatorade in your car, but he'll also buy you Taco Bell. You could kind of argue that was your fault for giving him so many rides, but that's out of my hands. That I was asking for it, that at some point he was going to spill something in my car. So. Knowing, knowing Parker, the 25 years that I have, I've never called that number once, but knowing him that much... I'm pretty sure it's not a real number. I hope that with the 555 that it's not an actual to number. To the TV yeah, movie number? Yes, that's what I did. On that? That's yeah. what I did. The robocall number. All right, well, let's get into the Get Around Hall of Fame. Uh, we've already talked about all three of these athletes so far. Joey Weber, Matt Loney, and Elliot Sitkins. I'll kind of go over what Joey Weber did uh, in the game against Glen Lake. 25 points in that comeback. Uh, they were down, like I said, down 32-21. to 21. He has already been in the Hall of Fame for his... Uh, exploits as a soccer goalie in that season and which I brought up was I thought a disqualification then at this point but you apparently had said that wasn't an issue well what has happened is we've realized that maybe there aren't always enough athletes to to go around and what we've decided to do is that there will be a fall sports hall of fame a winter sports hall of fame and a spring sports hall of fame and no Hall of Fame in the in the summer because uh, we can't. So is that it. how we determine the athlete of the year? Is the person who gets named at each season? I think that will be uh, <laughs> worth consideration. I'm just we'll see. And it's uh, and as you said, it's a little bit unfortunate that we didn't put uh, Joey Muzlakovich in the fall. Yeah, Sports Joe, of I reference you if you're listening. I I defended you. I said Joe was left off the list in the fall. He was, he'll be good for he baseball. Was certainly worthy of that. And <laughs> I think did we leave Ryan Hayes off as well? Which did is, Ryan make it in the little group one we did, though? The retroactive yeah. one? Yeah. I'm not sure. but I think, yeah, Ryan might be up there, too, as a guy. Uh, but you know, so, he's uh, looking ahead to bigger and brighter things. So, Harrison, you're, you're going with uh, Matt Loney this week? I am. I was in attendance for that game, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, 
probably don't get that win without everything he was doing in the fourth quarter. And it's certainly a team game, but Matt did every everything you needed to do to get that win over a number one ranked team and a team that hadn't lost in the regular. We stress the same numbers, but they're still impressive numbers. And uh, McBain making the Final Four a year ago, last year they lost to a Manton team that went to the Final Four. So clearly McBain for years now has been really good. You beat them in the regular season. Matt basically did it in the fourth quarter. You're my pick. The other nominee that we have is a second-time nominee, and that's Elliot Sitkins. Of course, we talked about his shutout against Alpina to win the Big North Conference. Uh, 18 saves in that one, another impressive performance by Sitkins. Why don't we go ahead right now? Uh, You're going with Matt Loney, is that correct, Harrison? I will, in hopes that I can finally get a, an award winner. Yeah, well, no you're award. going to because I'm also <laughs> going to go with Matt Loney just because of that performance. He did everything that the Frankfurt team needed him to do down that stretch, scoring 11 of those 16 points in the 16-2 to run. So congratulations to Matt Loney on your induction into the Get Around Hall of Fame as our Athlete of the Week. Do you think he'll have time to take a picture with us on Wednesday before a pregame ceremony? Probably not. It's possible. <laughs> Who knows? We'll reach out, but we can't guarantee anything. All right, well, if we are talking about Valentine's Day and the big matchup that we have going on there between Frankfurt and Buckley, why don't we get into our trifecta and talk about our favorite sports movie romances? This is the best trifecta category you've ever done. It's, so Brett and James are sorely missing out on it's this. It's probably one. the most original because I did Google best sports movie romances and there was nothing on Google that I well, could find. Well, it's good. You couldn't cheat. You had to remember yourself. Yes, and it sounds like we agree on the number one. Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. And I think that most people, the, the first one that comes to mind is Yo, Adrian. Yo, Adrian. And I did it. Rocky I got Balboa. you to go on a date with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Rocky and, and Adrian from uh, Rocky and then kind of throughout that. When did Adrian go away? Did, didn't she, like, die before? An, like, did before? she die? Well, she was in Rocky Five, wasn't she? Rocky Five plus Rocky Maybe. Two he goes equals Rocky, Rocky Seven. seven. Adrian's, Adrian's Revenge! Revenge. <laughs> Unless Simpsons. you've watched The Simpsons, you have no idea what we're talking about. But I, did that, but I did that backwards. I went Rocky Five plus Rocky Two, where in fact it's Rocky Two plus Rocky Five. Should we just redo that equals, bit and fake but, our laughter? No, I say we just go for yeah. it and we're fine. We're a big Simpsons fan, so I'm fine with it. We're talking about mistakes. starting a Simpsons podcast. We can get any kind of support from the community. At that point, I'm going to have five podcasts, if that's the case. I in, that, in that case, we're going to scrap that idea. No more Simpsons podcasts. Thank you. Good night. Um, so, yeah, this... this uh, that first date, though, with Rocky and Adrian... It's like the epitome of every other awkward first date ever. He takes her ice skating. She's super quiet. They just do a couple. He doesn't even have ice skates on. She's ice skating. He's walking, being the clumsy, like, you know, like that. That was a really good impression. <laughs> um, hey, who doesn't love Sly Stone, but the guy is not the best uh, at delivering sentences. You guessed it. Oh, great. Frank Stallone. <laughs> and if anybody knows that reference, that is Norm MacDonald back in the day on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. Ooh. I wouldn't have caught it, but I, I certainly remember that SNL skit. Yeah, that first date, though, it's so awkward. But how many people can relate to that, being a little uncomfortable yet rolling with it? And yet the loyalty is there, you know. It's meets her through his buddy. It's his buddy's sister. He becomes attractive. He goes to visit her. He does little things for her. And then she realizes, you know, behind this tough, rugged boxer is a guy with a heart of gold 
and somebody who I want to be by their side with, and they, they form what we agree on is the greatest movie couple of all time. Well, I think this is another pro- perfect opportunity to uh, thank Parker Tiffany for his sponsorship of this week's episode. Because he's a great boxer. Yeah, uh, the 22nd episode of the Get Around Podcast. Parker Tiffany, when you need help texting a girl who you like, call Parker Tiffany. 231-555-PARK. That's 231-555-7275. Parker Tiffany, he has a girlfriend, so you know that he knows what he's talking about. Kind of. Some of the great other movie romances that we've had that we've talked about. Harrison, why don't you go ahead and throw out some of your honorable mentions? Uh, Since Happy Gilmore is one of my favorites, I mean... It doesn't get any better than a and love you've, story. you've learned something today about Happy Gilmore. I have, but, you know, it's kind of hard to pick up on. Uh, Happy, of course, is a hockey player turned golfer, and he falls in love with the PR rep of the uh, pro golf leagues. It's Virginia Venet. I'm even saying it wrong. I thought it was no, Virginia it, Bennett all these years. Right, but it is Virginia Venet. No, it's not even that. It's, not, it's like Viven or something. Anyways. Virginia, her last name starts with a V because, as Brendan taught me, the female leads in early Adam Sandler movies all had VV nicknames. Veronica Vaughn. Veronica Vaughn. From uh, Billy Madison and Virginia Vennett, Vivit, whatever her name is. I thought it was Bennett. Anyways, cute couple because they meet uh, in the game and she falls for Happy's little quirks and uh, helps him get his house back, helps helps Grandma get out of the retirement home, and uh, cute love story there. Also one of my favorite references that I've done in this show in the past, The Mighty Ducks, How Can You Not Go With Coach Bombay Hitting On His Lead Player's Mom. He finally gets Charlie Conway's mom. I don't know Charlie Conway's mom's name, but uh, they, they go Mrs. out. Mrs. Conway. Mrs. Conway. They go out see that big tree in Minneapolis or maybe Miss Conway. Could it, be. It, yeah, we don't know for sure. There might be some legal situation. He was a lawyer, though, so maybe he can help t- take care of that. Anyways, there's an awkward scene. That's exactly scene what he did before with, Mighty Ducks, too. <laughs> awkward scene where they're walking by a house, and she's like, yeah, Charlie and I are going to live there. There's my room. And Bombay just goes, how about that? Where's my room? Can I have that one there? Claims spot in the house. How bold. Marking his territory. You could see it on her face. She was like, wow. You love my son. You love this hockey team. Eventually, he hates it at first, but uh, the dedication. And then he kisses her right before before he goes on the bus at the end of the movie to go to the train for the minors. So you knew that love was special, although it didn't last a D2. But still, shout out to Coach Bombay and, and Charlie Conway's mom. I think one that maybe rivals Rocky and Adrian, or at least in my eyes, is Ray and Annie Kinsella from Field of Dreams. I just love the how much Annie loves Ray because what other wife is like, yeah, go Let's ahead. do anything. Go ahead, <laughs> you know, j- plow under a quarter of our cornfield, our what gets, uh, you know, what supports we'll us food on monetarily. The go ahead and do that because you heard some voice in, in the cornfield. Get a vision. And you were like, all right, well, yeah, go ahead and do that. Build a baseball field. I'm totally on board. And after that, Feel free to go on a road trip for days or weeks on end to find Terrence Mann and then take him to a baseball game. And then why not, when you're coming home, pick up a a stranger, a hitchhiker on the road and, and bring him back because you believe that he's supposed to play with the 1919 Chicago Black, uh, Black Sox. Uh, if, really, honestly, she's just, I don't know, way too supportive of her husband 
But that's, yeah, if anything, we give her wife of the century honors more than the greatest couple. Yeah, maybe but it's not I the greatest couple. Maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah, it's he's just, kind of ignoring her. <laughs> maybe it's just the greatest wife. So maybe it's not the greatest movie romance or greatest movie sports movie couple. But it's she's Anna Kinsella is hands down the greatest sports movie wife in my opinion. I, I can see the argument. Great show, I think. Uh, episode number 22. We appreciate Harrison, of course, coming in. We appreciate Mitch Wilson sitting down with us for a while. Uh, thank you so much for listening to episode number 22 of the Get Around Podcast. We will be back next week with episode 23, so make sure that you listen to that. Again, I say it all the time, but to our listeners and those who even just press play on SoundCloud to give us that one extra listen. You're the real MVP. Thank you very much. <laughs>